from the I don't know what to say. I'm just speechless. To the We see all sorts of life-changing moments at McKinney competitions. How would you react? Cars, houses, tech bundles and more from just £2 a ticket. No purchase necessary. For competitions, rules and conditions, see mckinneycompetitions.com. It was either going to make or break my career because I was doing it on television and I started saying that if this doesn't work out then I'll have to think about a career change. That was a big was, risk to take. I was, I was putting my, my, my head on the, the block literally. Why don't these people go away in the mornings and leave me alone because I had peace until they all came home again and this is why you've got all these sorts of anxieties and stuff like that now. I mean people always ask me why did you want to become a dog trainer? I didn't want to be a dog trainer. Uh, I wanted to be a dog. Human beings are sometimes on a self-destruct mode with everything, but animals have got it right. Animals follow calm, stable leadership. We we don't do that. I mean, for goodness sake, look who we put in the government to run the country. Yeah. Uh, in the animal <laughs> world, that would never happen. And there's nothing nicer than at the end of the day, when you come home from a day's work, that you can take the dog out and just chill out and relax. And they come bouncing back at you with that big waggy tail and those puppy dog eyes and it just melts your heart. That was the voice of Keith Matthews, but you probably know him as the Dog Guru from his TV show, Good Dog, Bad Dog, or as a guest on The One Show. Keith is one of the top dog trainers and breeders in the country. If there's anything you want to know about dogs, then Keith is your man. He has an innate understanding of dogs since his gift was discovered as a child. And now he travels the world, imparting his knowledge and finding the right owner for the right puppy. This is your host, Elaine Ingram, and here's Keith now. Hello, Keith. Hello. <laughs> nice to meet you. I'm Elaine. And who we got here? She's this absolutely is, gorgeous. This is Mr. Pink. Oh, Mr. Oh, sorry. Excuse Mr. me. Pink, I said yeah. I mistook her, his gender there for a second. Um, Mr. Pink. Mm-hmm. Explain. So we, we, we have a litter of puppies. So all the puppies are, are colored. So we just call them Mr. Pink, Mr. Blue. So we have them all colored so we can identify them. And can you identify them at that age? Yeah, yeah. Is with, it easy? With nail polish on the back of his head. <laughs> so he's Mr. Pink, as you can see, yeah. How many dogs have you got, Keith? Uh, at the moment, I have six. Um, we have a little Yorkshire Terrier and we've got five Labradors. Right. And they're all just, are they breeding or are they yours? No, they're they're all my dogs, yeah. I work them and compete with them and our puppies have found homes all over the world. Yeah, I yeah. know, because you breed... Um, Labradors. Labradors, yeah. Um, but let's go back to the start. Um, so you're what tw- over twenty five years in the in the business of yeah, um, of now. dog training. Keith, the dog guru, yeah. is your official title. And where did it all? It all started when you were a child. Yeah, well, I I first started training dogs when I was very very young. We always grew up with dogs, and uh, there was never a time in our home that we didn't have at least two or three dogs and um, did you grow up in the countryside we grew up in the countryside and my both my parents are mad about animals so obviously we were going to be brought up the same way and um so yeah and i got my first labrador when i was 11 which was my own dog it was a birthday present and that's when the whole love of and what did you call it what did you call him he was called bruno bruno and um that's when the whole love affair began and then i started um teaching 
Other but you people. realized you had some sort a sort of a gift, did you? I mean, you or you had a, a knack, or what would you what would you call it? Well, probably a lot of people would have said it was a gift. I don't see it as that, but um, but yeah, I had a just real understanding of how they think, and it was it's a real passion for me, you know. And um, then when I was fourteen, I started teaching other people how to train dogs, and um, and then the rest is history. Yeah, so I mean, you just you started off in your own backyard. Basically, people started coming to you then to. Yeah, and uh, I was. It was like word of mouth, a word of mouth thing, really. It was, and and I used to teach uh, dog classes every Saturday in the field in front of my parents' home, and um, I was only fourteen when I was doing it. Well, that be teaching people, training people how to discipline their dogs mostly, yeah, and, and yeah, a all, toilet all, training and that kind of thing. All obedience and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, working with their dogs. And then I used to do classes for the local vet. And then uh, after I completed my A-levels, I decided this was what I wanted to do as a career. And then uh, when I was 18, I turned professional and I haven't looked back since. So yeah, just taken, I've had a very, very lucky life uh, with my career. Obviously, I've worked hard, um, but, um, you know, I've had been all over the world. Yeah, dogs. I know you have. And um, I've had my own television show and I've appeared on the one show and... Yeah. It was the BBC that approached you for um, Good Dog, Bad Dog, was it? It was, yeah. Um, they had an idea and of a TV show and I felt that the, the idea could be improved. So um, I offered a few suggestions and then they came back and they said that they liked my idea but not necessarily that I would get to do the TV show. They wanted to see how it was on camera, first of all. Right. <laughs> so we did a little camera test and... Um, and uh, obviously I passed that and then they assessed me how I worked with the people and the dogs and then yeah so then we had our own TV series and we had probably the worst dogs in, in Ireland that they gathered at the time so. how difficult is that yeah I mean is that just a challenge do you take would you consider that now this is be a good challenge for me you know if you have like the worst dogs <laughs> well it, it was it was either going to make or break my career because I was doing it on television and I started saying that if this doesn't work out then I'll have to think about a career change that was a big was, risk to take I was I was putting my, my, my head on the, the block literally and uh, because they, the dogs were they really did get the worst dogs with aggression and all sorts of things so but then it was it it was a challenge and I rose to the occasion and and that's what I like so always yeah. something different yeah and is that where you came up with the I mean you definitely have uh, your certain look your um, shall we crocodile dundee type look maybe <laughs> I don't know <laughs> with the hat and everything is that all part of you know the image that you, you, you know did you build that did that come from the TV show or was that a, a, you know separate thing altogether yeah well no it, it, it was actually because um, the my I wanted something that people would remember you by on the, the television and at that time I started to lose my hair so I was quite I was, <laughs> so was quite, <laughs> I was quite conscious of I wanted to cover up when the cameras was going around and um so yeah and, and my father was and mother were on holiday in Canada and uh, they went into a telly shop so the first hat I had was a telly hat and uh, and that's how the whole thing started then and um but yeah that sort of became the look of the dog guru yeah. And then the, the name the guru was given to me by the the one show, yeah. And uh, and then that's just sort of stuck with. So it. they came up with the name the the guru. Well, a combination of that, yeah. yeah because at the time we had the dog whisper, so we had to think of something different. Yeah. Um, and um, so that's where it came from. Yeah. 
And you were saying there that you, you you were tested on camera to see how you, you know, how you got on with them, people and that. Do you do you find it harder to get deal with people or dogs? Which do you think are... Oh, um, most definitely the biggest problem. I, I mean, if I just had dogs, there would be no problem. The biggest problem is always the owners. People always ask me, what is the biggest problem faced uh, that you see with dogs? It's the owners. It's the owners, Without yeah. Without I mean, uh, and how we manage our pets has changed so much in this last 25 years. You know, when I first started, I was the youngest dog trainer in the country. In fact, there was very few, there was, if any, professional dog trainers. And now, even though I've been at it a long time, you know, I'm seen as one of the older. Um, you know, there's like a, a new band of wave of people coming out and sort of these modern methods of all treat-based and all this. Would they have a, hu- a, a vastly different approach to the way you you approach things? Because, you know, it's a different generation. No, because, uh, well... The, the, I mean, obviously, I all my methods, I developed a method 25 years ago called Calmness Leads to World, yes. and I've showcased that all over the world. And Explain a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Well, it's based on basically that, um, you know, when you want to get the very best from your pet, you build a relationship, and that relationship's based on love and, you know, an affection and respect. And you don't need to bribe the dog which a lot of these modern-day trainers try to do with... See, I would have always thought that that would have been the way to do no, it. No, exactly. I mean, if you look at humans, how, how do we show a love? How do we show affection to each other? We do it with our touch in yeah. a positive way, and we do it with our words. And it's exactly the same with our dog. We don't bribe it. I mean, if you're in a relationship with a person, you don't feed them meatballs to get love from them. Oh, well, you know. Well, <laughs> you shouldn't. But, uh, so, it, yeah, and it's, it's all based on touch and calmness yeah you know that your energy that you're only rewarding calm energy because that's something that the puppy learns i mean this is a, a little puppy he's just away from his mother now and they'll soon be ready for their new homes and she teaches them all about calmness it's a very natural thing the calmness leads rewards all about energy yeah and unfortunately when dogs and puppies go to our new homes we teach them the total opposite we teach them that if you're excitable you get our attention um and uh, you know and, and it's all about this calmness all about this energy and yeah. the, you know you, the dog's behavior comes from you it, it's a reflection of your your energy your household energy and the environment that is brought up and so human beings are totally responsible for that environment um so it's 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 all down to the humans that's why there's so many body behavioral dogs because people don't have the knowledge unfortunately you know yeah and is there ever, what about different breeds of dogs though? There must be some dogs that are more, you know, like, you know, Labradors and things like that, that are more naturally calm or, no, you not, know, not really. Are, you know, you know, the way you see different dogs that are um, like, I know somebody who's got a red setter and they're a bit mad, but is it just because they're. Well, uh, one of the biggest problems too is, unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there breeding dogs, but they're right. not proper breeders. And they don't understand animal psychology. And the first uh, centre of influence that a new puppy buyer has is the breeder. And sometimes the breeder doesn't have a lot of knowledge. They maybe do everything right um, and uh, from a health point of view, but they don't understand animal behaviour. And when you go to choose the puppy, it's very important that you choose the right energy of puppy to suit you and to suit your home environment because the chemistry has to be right. It's like a relationship. It's like a marriage. Yeah. And a lot of people, unfortunately... The breeder doesn't know because they don't understand animal psychology and a lot of people unfortunately choose the wrong energy of puppy to suit their household so it's not always about the breed it's about the energy of the pup 
Yeah. I mean, because... If you suppose if you have children, you want a more energetic dog. If you're no, an you older person... Actually, oh, you don't. You oh, want, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted the total opposite to the energy okay. of the household. So if you have a, a, a household with very young kids, you want a very calm puppy to begin with because the puppy's energy will rise with the household. So if you start off okay. with a very high energy, and if people go on to Google about choosing a puppy, they'll always say, oh, choose the one that runs to you first or all this kind of thing or the one that's the most boisterous or the most playful. And, um, you know, the, the problem with that is then that puppy's energy rises with the household. And then it's, it's usually when it gets to adolescent stage, it's at a stage where the owners can't control it. And sadly, yeah. that's why a lot of them end up in rescue centres. Yeah. So you would suggest to say if there was somebody like an elderly person and they were living by themselves and they wanted a dog for company, you, you'd suggest getting a higher level of energetic dog? Well, if you, if you were to take a litter of puppies, that energy, the, the higher energy pup will calm down with the household. So if there's less going yeah. on, there, there's less people in the household, it's a much calmer environment. And that actually has a, a positive effect on the outcome of that dog's future behaviour. The dog's whole behaviour is shaped between the age of eight weeks and eight months. And sad reality about my job, and I've been doing this for a very long time, is that most people don't come and seek professional help until it's almost too late. Yeah. And they're never, ever going to get the dog that they should have had because they, they, a lot of the problems have already developed. Are they irreversible? Not irreversible, but you never get it 100%, maybe 99%. But yeah. I always say to people, you know, when you're embarking on the, the, the journey of getting a puppy, spend a lot of time um you know researching the breed but it's not even about the breed it's about choosing the right energy of puppy to suit your household and if the breeder isn't experienced in helping you with that then they're the wrong breeder um and i mean the thing is i always say to people you when i have puppies they'll never ever be allowed to choose a pup because they haven't got the expertise that i have they haven't spent um eight weeks on a daily basis with the puppy getting to know their personality so I always say to people, I'll choose the pup and I'll choose the best pup in the litter to suit you, your home environment, to suit your lifestyle, you know, to suit the future. Yeah. And, you know, and some people maybe don't like that idea. They think they want to do it. And I always say, well, then I'm not the right breeder for you. Because from it's not only with me, you're getting the breeding background, but you're also getting the behaviorist as well, choosing the pup for yeah. you and that's so important because I see people especially lockdown we've had so many puppies well um, I was going to ask you about lockdown yeah, yeah I mean we've had so many puppies uh, that people have got through lockdown people are coming to me they've two puppies from the the one letter that's a total no-no really yeah absolutely so, is it not like keeping brothers and sisters together no um, and the, the reason for that is because the, t the dogs have never been apart the dog is a pack animal and they will always be more important. The two dogs will always be more important to each other than human beings will ever be to them. And that's a bad dynamic for trying to t uh, train those puppies in the future. It's uh, People have the idea, oh, it's good company. And of course, dogs love the company of another dog. But it's it's a bit like having twins. If you spoke to a parent with twins and you spoke to people that have got two kids maybe a couple of years apart, it's much easier to manage the dynamics of the household. It's, right. it's like having double work at the one time. I hope time. nobody with twins is offended by no, that. No, I don't, I don't mean to offend anybody, but the reality of it is it's double work. And, and it's the same with uh, with dogs, so it is. So it's very, very important that, 
you know, I would never, ever allow anybody to get two puppies at the one time. And I'm asked all the time, but I would never. And I, you yeah, know, I would have thought, yeah. You know, and I, I get, I see people coming to me all the time with breeds and they say, oh, we've just decided to get two because we thought it, it would be much better. They'd be great company. That's a total but is it, what about disaster in the future. But getting dogs that aren't related, you know, if you are, say, if you're going out to work every day, and mm-hmm. is, is that a good idea to get another dog for company? No, not not until you've one dog fully trained. Okay. And then look at it. Maybe, I always say, if you get a puppy, wait 18 months to two years before you consider bringing another dog into the pack. And what about leaving dogs on their own? You know, people going off to work. And My daughter has me tortured to get a dog. Um, and she has for years. And every time we see a dog, she says, Mom, can we get a dog? <laughs> but, um... I always feel because I've seen this in households where the dog is a dog is left all day and you know people aren't there and the dog's just barking all day long. Now, that dog must be distressed. No, the reason the dog's bark well first of all, I mean when I first started training dogs, I mean people always ask me why did you want to become a dog trainer? I didn't want to be a dog trainer. Uh, I wanted to be a dog. Because when I was a child at school, doing my schoolwork, I used to look at our dogs and they used to have such a calm, chilled out life. They had no pressure, they had no stress. They just lay there and slept. Someone took them out and played with a ball. Someone took them out for a walk. Someone fed them. And they just had the most chilled out lifestyle. And I used to say, that is the perfect life to be a dog. Now, obviously, I couldn't a dog's be a life, dog. So literally, ex- yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but the problem is that dog's life doesn't exist anymore. And the dogs take on the stress... And they take on the emotions and the energy of the household. And, you know, it's because people haven't spent the time properly training the dog. It's fine for the dog to be left on its own. I mean, I mean, you know, uh, you know, as human beings, we need our own space. A lot of dogs love the, the, the sanctuary of their own space during the day. And then the family comes back at night. But the, lots of dogs now take on anxious behavior and they take on the anxieties of the household. And that leads to stress. And this is why you're getting the dogs barking a lot during the day and what have you. But there's no reason why a dog, if it's well trained, and it can be be left on a own during the day. But it definitely That's needs how to be it used taken. to happen. Yeah. Sometimes the old ways and uh, are are still the best way. Well, I mean, it's, I suppose that's all well and good if you have a gardener, if you're in the countryside, and the dog can be let out to kind of roam and do something. The dog's quite happy to stay in the house. Are they happy enough home. to stay yeah. in the house? Yeah. They, they, but they do need to be taken for walks. Of course, and they need to be done. Uh, but they're, they're creatures of habit, and they love structure, and they love routine. And if your routine dictates that you take them out in the morning before you go to work, and then the dog is on its own during the day, they'd be quite happy if they get into that routine and structure. And then when you come home from work in the evening, you take them out again, and then they're part of the family and in the household. And, you know, a dog, to be balanced, it needs to sleep about 18 hours a day. And most dogs don't get that opportunity. Really? 18 yeah. hours? That's yeah. a long time. Exactly. But they don't sleep at night. Of course they do. I mean, they do sleep at night. Yeah. But they would, but they, would they have human habits as in they sleep all night and then be up all day? Yeah, but they uh, should sleep during the day as well. If you sleep. left a dog to its own devices, it would have 18 hours sleep throughout the day. Wow. So it would. And have you found now, we're talk, you mentioned lockdown there um, and people getting dogs in lockdown. But um, apart from that, um, the routine, you were talking about routine. So people's routines are completely, were completely changed a lot of the time. People were working from home. Um, so they were there with their dog. 
So the routine was changed. Was that? Did you find a lot of people coming to you that the dog was out of sorts or out of kilter because of because of it that? It was, and the dog was totally stressed out because of the house full of, full of people. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah, I just imagine it's like, oh my god, exactly. I wish these annoying owners. Would... Why don't these people go away in the mornings and leave me alone? Because I had peace until they all came home again. Yeah, and this is why you've got all these sorts of anxieties and stuff like that now. And, you know, and people talk about separation anxiety and stuff like that. That is a, a human emotion that we have passed on to the dog. And now dogs are suffering from all these things that we human beings suffer from because they're in the, with us all the time. They're picking up all that energy of the household. And it's, it's leading to a lot of stressed animals. The biggest problem that dogs have is the humans. Yeah. And then everybody went off back to work again. So now the dog's even more confused. Totally. And a lot of puppies, unfortunately, were uh, got through the lockdown. So one of yeah. the big problems that I see now is they're not properly socialized. They don't know how to react to people. They don't know how to react to other dogs. Because obviously, uh, in that initial stage, when they needed to be out into the world and seeing everything that goes on under malady, it didn't exist for us. We weren't allowed out. We weren't allowed into the supermarkets. So we weren't allowed, you know, to, to go to the parks. Even the, even the local park here was closed down. So you couldn't even take your dog into the park where we would normally see people. You couldn't walk your dog around the main street because there was no one in the main street. All the shops were closed. So the dogs have lost out in a lot of that socialization. And you can see that there's a generation of puppies coming through now that are very, very antisocial. Yeah. In fact, I know so. In fact, my sister has a dog and they, well, they actually got a rescue dog and they have had awful trouble it's really timid and it's just it won't they have to drag it for a walk it won't go for a walk and they don't know whether they should be dragging it for a walk or just be letting it not but you know that's it's just one of those things is it it is and and, but uh, it's never too late to start socializing a dog yeah you just do it in baby steps uh, you do and uh, you know you you take a you know you have a little program you take a little stage at a time if you find that your dog's reactive to certain situations then you keep revisiting those until you get a positive response yeah and you know the way they say um dogs um look like their owners our owners look like their dogs (laughs) is that um i would need a mexican hurlis dog Well, you do notice that you'll see people walking along with you know um, that look like that look like their dogs or have similarity. Is that a a a conscious decision or is that or does that just happen over time or? (laughs) No, well, well, I wouldn't say that, but um, no, I I would say the dog takes on the personality of the household of the you know you and the energy of the household. You tend to find that people are who are naturally anxious. The dog's exactly the same. So yeah. the dog takes on the energy of the household. If it's a high energy household, you'll find the dog's very high energy. If it's a very calm, sedate household, you'll find the dog's the same. But I wouldn't necessarily think that they look like their owners. You know, that's it. But I think that's where, just where that's anecdotal got mixed, observation. Is, um, but uh, I think where that's got mixed up is they do take on the energy of the household. So you yeah. can tell a lot from, I can tell a lot when people come to classes with us or the comfort consultations, I can tell a lot just by that initial first impression of the dog. You can almost sum up what type of household it is just by looking at the dog. And can you, yeah, that's, and you say that people come to you often, it's too late. You know, they've, they, they need to come to you when the, their, when the, their puppies, if there is any issue. You should, the moment you get a puppy home, you become a dog trainer. Yeah. And the whole environment that you bring that puppy up in will have a, either a positive or negative outcome on his future personality. So, you know, even if this is your first dog or your second dog or whatever, you become a dog trainer. Yeah. So if you haven't the knowledge, then seek professional help to get the knowledge at the start, to get the guidelines, 
that you really get all the structures in place to get the very best relationship for you and your dog. Yeah. And oh. that's the most important thing. I mean, a dog didn't ask to come to your household. You chose it. And I often say people jokingly, if the dog had a choice, he probably wouldn't have chose those member family members. <laughs> um, but the most important thing is that you, you start as you mean to go on. So the moment you bring your puppy into your home, the boundaries should start right away. You know, um, you know the guidelines. I mean, it's it's about putting structures, about putting routine into place. You know, we all do it with our kids, but people often don't like to do it with dogs. You know, and we have routine, we have structure. But you find in a household, the dog has no routine, he's no structure, and everything's up up the left, literally for him, and that leads to very very confused uh, dog, and then it leads to so all sorts of behavioural problems in the future. And is it easy to try to train a dog? Oh, a um, couple of days if you really? know what you're doing. Yeah, okay. using the, the modern way of toilet training a puppy is to use the crate method, which uses the dog's natural den instinct. The old way was to uh, use newspapers and wee wee pads. Put your nose and in, the dog's nose. Oh, in the, the, no, don't the world do that has moved on. The world <laughs> has moved on from that. You don't do that anymore. Um, but uh, so the natural way to do it is using its natural den instinct, and and a couple of days usually. Uh, is all it takes with that if you do it properly. Yeah. Get ready to shake up summer with the Get Active ABC Sunshine Fill Programme for kids and families. Get set for land-based adventure at our summer schemes, or why not get adventurous and maybe get wet at our Splashtastic Water Sports Summer Programme. There are so many things to do, and all we need is you. See getactiveabc.com summer for all the details. And you're you've um, gone all around the world. Obviously, this your job has taken you everywhere. Mm. Um, have you? Do you find you're talking about owners? Is there any difference in owners in different countries? Is no. there a tendency for people to do things differently? Maybe and dogs to be have different behavior behaviors in in different places that you've been. No, it's a, it's a, the you know the world's very small now. Yeah. Um. Obviously, there's no real difference. You know, you see the same problems, just different uh, people, different cultures. Um. A lot of the times when I'm traveling, I'm actually teaching other trainers as well. Yeah. So I'm teaching them. You know, passing on my methods to them, so they can implement those methods then when they're doing their own classes and, and what have you but the, the dogs are the same doesn't matter I've taught I've taught from South Africa to Scandinavia all around the world um, and uh, it's it's all the same type of problems same type of owners just yeah sometimes the people are different to teach you know they've different humours and, and different there's a little bit of language barriers and stuff like that sometimes but but it's always the same problems have you ever considered going into like human psychology or working in that line no, of work? No, but the more I, the more I say, <laughs> the more I realize that's what the it's the, the owners that need the therapy sometimes, not the dog. The dog's just the dog's behavior is just the symptoms of the household. <laughs> yeah, well, that yeah, I suppose that's that's very true. And what about um rescue dogs now? You know, say you're talking about breed, you know, different dog breeds and everything like that. But, you know, a lot of dogs are not thoroughbred dogs. They're, you know, mixtures of different dogs. Is there, are there different issues with dogs like that? No, I mean, obviously, the sad reality is sometimes when you get a dog from a rescue centre, you can be in hurting someone else's problem. 
but you're also in a very good position to rehabilitate and fix that problem if you get the proper guidance. So if you're thinking of going down the road of getting a rescue dog, and it's wonderful to give a, a rescue dog a home, um, but you have to be prepared for, you know, you don't always know the full history of the dog and sometimes the full extent of the dog's behaviour doesn't become apparent and for maybe a couple of months of the dog settling in, maybe the dog's reactive to other dogs, um, maybe, you know, it's uh, phobias about certain things. But, um, you know, the bottom line is every single dog needs to be trained. Every single dog, uh, um, you know, so it doesn't matter where it's a puppy or it doesn't matter where it's a rescue dog, but you have to be prepared to put the work in with rescue dog because sometimes you aren't hurting someone else's problem. Yeah, and what, what about aggression now? If there's an, a, a dog that has a, aggressive tendencies and if there's young children in the house, are there any breeds of dogs that you wouldn't recommend for... No, again, it's, again, it's just it's, it's not, people sometimes get this. Uh, you know the way you hear about Rottweilers. And yeah, people get a fixation of breed. It's not about the breed. It's about the energy of the dog. It's about how the dog has been brought up. Um. So I mean, I could a Yorkshire Terrier could be every bit as aggressive yeah. as a German Shepherd. Uh, the only difference is obviously the size. The bigger the dog, the more physical damage it can impose if it is aggressive. Um. But um it you know it's it's all about the energy but unfortunately there's reasons why the dog usually becomes reactive it's usually a lot of the reasons is protecting the owner and the reason it's protecting the owner is because the owner hasn't set boundaries from the beginning so the dog feels it has to take on the leadership role to protect the pack uh, and so it's you know obviously there's certain dogs react in different ways genetics does play a part but it's not the major part right um it's all about how you bring the dog up and what about now? I know there was a, a a trend, and there probably still is, of um, dogs people breeding these dogs pugs and dogs to put in carrying handbags. And do you think that? I mean, that to me is a very cruel. Um, well, thing unfortunately, to do. there is. It's like everything, and and unfortunately, you know, there's it's like clothes. You know, there's fashion like fa- fads. Yeah, and uh, sadly, I mean. There is, uh, you know, this fad where you've got all these different uh, things mixed, like jugs and cockapoos and yeah. labradoodles. And obviously where this originally came from, the labradoodle was designed actually and bred purpose, for a purpose. And the purpose was for the guide dogs in Australia started the labradoodle breed for people that suffered from pet allergies, but obviously needed a dog to assist uh, with uh, guiding them, uh, you know, for blind people. And um, so they developed a, a breed called the Labradoodle, which didn't cast, but had the same qualities and the same calmness that a Labrador would have. Um, and then this whole thing sort of exploded, and especially during lockdown. I mean, people are even coming to me, and I've been an expert for 25 years, and they're saying they've got a, a whatever, a, a noodle. I trained a noodle one day, which is, I didn't even know what it was. A noodle? What's a noodle that? is a Newfoundland and a poodle. Okay. But uh, the the funny thing is, you know, when they talk about it, they almost say it that, like it is a recognised breed. It's not. It's a crossbreed. And the problem with that, and you have to remember too, that not only I'm a behaviourist, but I'm also a dog breeder. Yeah. So I'm very much in protecting our pedigree dogs and the problem is if you put two breeds together that some with the health issues yeah. certain breeds have certain health problems and people think that the old wives tale was that if it was a mongrel it was healthier well that wasn't true um 
and um, but it's just the reason that wasn't true is because pedigree dogs, you know, a lot of them were health tested, so these things were recorded, so there was statistics for it that made it appear like they had more health problems, but they're not. There was every bit as much health problems in mongrels and all the rest. But the problem is when you put two crossbreeds together, you actually can be doubling up in health problems coming in from yeah, two different breeds. Yeah, because you see these, some of these dogs that can't breathe and things that they have, exactly. they can't, or they can't walk because their legs are too yeah, short and their bodies no are too heavy. Yeah, there's no consistency. When you have a, a pedigree dog, you get a consistent type of temperament. You get a consistency in the, the structure of the dog. You don't get that when you put uh, a pug and a Jack Russell together. Yeah. You know, so the expensive. whole litter is literally... Yeah. It's, it's, dogs are expensive. I, I believe... Well, I read somewhere that Cocker Spaniels at the moment are having a, a bit of a moment. They're very, very expensive. They're the most expensive breeds right well, now. Well, obviously, you know, when people were, we were in lockdown, people, I mean, uh, decided that, you know, now was the time for them to get a dog because they were going to be on lockdown for so long. And therefore, when you increase the demand and that out, the demand outstrips the supply, then obviously it drives up the price. Uh, and, you know, but for breeders that do the thing professionally and do it right and put a lot of effort and time and support in for their new puppy buyers um you know it's i would say the prices are what they always should have been um you know um but it, it's madness the way uh, people are paying thousands of pounds for for crossbreeds yeah yeah and what about um i mean you're selling out you sell out stadiums and you know you've or well you've sell out stadiums you sell, you sell out make me sound like a pop star yeah i know yeah. <laughs> yeah but you've got this bit of a, a whole comedian act going on as well and um how did that all come about you know well, it's you... just my my personality and i think i you know the, the most i could blame people with science but um of dog psychology and animal behavior but the reality is you know when someone comes to me for help I can train any dog, but I'm dependent on them to be my hands. I'm dependent on them to have the knowledge to put this into practice. So I have to put it across in a very straightforward, fun way. And in order to get people on board and get them on, uh, on side with you, sometimes you have to actually show them how, uh, you know, you have to make a joke out of it. Yeah. And when you've got a, a crowd of people there and you, you sort of uh, go through a little sketch scene yeah. And you pretend you're the dog and you, you, you react how they would react. Well, then you get you, you touch the hearts of people and you actually say, well, they, they can identify with it and say, well, actually, that's what we do. And they see the fun side of it, but you're putting across a very strong message at the same time in a positive way. So it's about getting people on board to teach them. And I have always done it in a, a fun way. Uh, and even when I travel around the world, I've people always say that, you know, it's, so, uh, you know, the same we have in the area. He teaches us a bit of crack. And so you're teaching and you're bringing up this fun personality, but you're trying to trying to put your message across in the most positive way you can so people understand it and get it. And you're putting it very uh, much forward in a very simplistic way because if you get the people on board and they put the stuff into practice, then you're benefiting the dog at the end of the day. And for me, that's the most important thing is that the perfect world for me would be that there would be no dogs with behavioral problems. There would be no dog with stress because... The one thing that a dog will give you totally and absolutely unconditionally is that love and affection. And yeah. you will never get that from a human being. Yeah, it's unconditional love. Totally really and is. absolute. And we've got so much we can learn from animals. Um, and the sad reality is, like most things, I mean, 
human beings are sometimes on a self-destruct mode with everything, but animals have got it right. Animals follow calm, stable leadership. We we don't do that. I mean, for goodness sake, look who we put in the government to run the country. Yeah. Uh, and the animal <laughs> world, that would never happen. And, um, you know, so we've got so much we can learn from animals and they have a very pure heart and they have a very pure love and it hasn't been corrupted and um, you know and so for me it's all about making life better for the dogs and uh, you know and if you can do that and it make it make it makes it easier the dog has a better life because his behavior is better so the household has more fun with their dog because you know when I first started they used to say that only a dog used to give people an extra 10 years on their life because of all the benefits that it brought. Now it gives them 10 years less because people are stressed out in their own lives. And then that stress passes on to the animal and the dog in their household, the dog doesn't understand it. So then it creates all these behavior problems that causes more stress in the house. Yeah. And there's nothing nicer than at the end of the day, when you come home from a day's work, that you can take the dog out and just chill out and relax. And they come bouncing back at you with that big waggy tail and those puppy dog eyes and it just melts your heart. <laughs> yeah, people love their dogs. They really yeah, do. totally. And they should. Yeah. How do you feel about cats? <laughs> <laughs> That's a totally different ball game, you know. Um, a, a cat's slightly different. A dog will give you love all the time. A cat will give you affection love when a, the cat wants it. Okay, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> like some humans. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but what about like training um, things like guide dogs and and stuff like that? Is that a very different, I mean, obviously that has to be, you know, much more rigid training. They have to be, is, is that a lot different? Not really. The, the basic principles are the same, you know, um, but in order to, to, to get the very best from the dog, because you have to remember that the dog is responsible especially in the case of a guide dog, for protecting someone's life. I mean, when the guide dog and, and its uh, a blind owner go out for a walk, the dog is totally responsible for guiding that person safely around yeah. wherever they're going for a walk. And so obviously there's a more in-depth training that has to be done with that. And in order to do that, the dog has to be a more institutionalized at the start of its career so it gets the very best. So it's not... Um, open to all the normal everyday distractions that normal pet dogs are open to so the dog and that learning curve is so important between as I said to you earlier between eight weeks and eight months yeah so for those that um, period then that everything is managed in a way to get the very best from the dog for the future because it costs so much money to train and not every dog makes a grade uh, when it comes to guide dogs or any of these uh, therapy dogs so there's so much time and effort and there's so many different stages of assessment uh, to get the most balanced dog for the job at the end so it's yeah so it has to be a more intense training and is it a specific dog you would use for therapy dogs or, or guide dogs or anything like that well obviously uh, again not again braid yeah, it, it, it's not it's to, that to do with the energy of the dog yeah but you know you can take a I could choose in a litter of puppies the best dogs for the best work because you can see their energy at the start but then a lot of it as well as uh, that's only the first part of the equation it's about how that dog is managed then for that next uh, uh, few months of training uh, to get the end result that you need so even though the so you can see the personality of the dog is this unique to you um you know you obviously have this this gift or you know that you can actually see the personality of a dog from when they're that small you know and you really see that they have completely different personalities mm. yeah 
You can yeah. see it in a litter of pups. But you see, a lot of the thing is too, I mean, over the years, not only have I worked with a lot of people and a lot of dogs, but I also have bred. So I, I watch the puppies from the moment they're born. I watch how the mother manages them. Um, so you can see their individual pe- uh, personalities coming through. I mean, I've got two sons. One's 20, one's Yeah, I was going to ask you about your sons. Because... Yeah, and they're like chalk and cheese. Um, so they are in their personalities. And it's exactly the same in a litter of puppies. They've got the same mum, they've got the same dad, but the personalities are all individual. But you see certain personalities traits that are more suitable for a certain end job. Um, and I mean, I've been very fortunate in the dogs that I have bred, I mean, have went all over the world. They've went for family pets, they've went for working gun dogs, they've went yeah. for um, search and rescue dogs, narcotic dogs, guide dogs, um, support dogs, every single thing. I mean, even some of my dogs are now that I have bred have been trained for COVID uh, alert dogs and stuff so they can oh what, how does that work well they detect whether if a person has COVID really yeah how does... and and it's just with sense of smell it's the same they've been used um, I didn't for... know that was a thing at all yeah it is yeah and um, for cancer they can detect cancer and they've been some of my dogs have been trained to detect cancer cells that's in incredible. people it is it's amazing and that's the thing where um, you know dogs with their senses are far more developed than we are they've better hearing they've a better sense of smell um you know they've better eyesight they're emotionally intelligent yeah now that's something that we as human beings are only starting to tap in is this uh, you hear people talking about emotional intelligence yeah where people can tap into the energies of other people and they can actually feel their energies dogs have been doing that from the word go um, so they're way ahead of us in that and that's how they this is why this leads to, to certain uh, behaviours because they tick on the energy of the household and um, you know so they're, they're very very intelligent in lots of ways and superior to us with their senses and we'll never be on the same par as them but yeah. because we've been able to develop that and use it in the correct way they can do some wonderful jobs which is fantastic to see yeah and I mean you hear about dogs that you know will pine and and if their owner dies or something, they will... They grieve just like grieve, us. Yeah. yeah. And, and if another pet in the household passes away, they grieve for that pet as well. And, and that, yeah, they go through. So they, they, they need that support when they go through that, you know. And yeah. we grieve for the loss of our dog as well. Yeah, well, that's true too. Yeah. yeah. Because they become a member of our family. Yeah, they, re- they really do become yeah. a member of people's families. Yeah. Um, would you ever... You know, when you're breeding your dogs and you know all these little puppies and all, and you have to send them away, do you ever um feel do you, do you feel a loss for the dogs that you're? Yeah, of course you do, and you get especially now with the different legislation in different countries. So some of the puppies stay with us longer because they have to go through a program of vaccines before they're able to travel and stuff like that. But ninety nine percent of cases, I get to see their future journey because they're maybe going to people where I'm going to end up teaching them. Yeah. Um. And you know, and I always, uh, I mean, my dogs, my breeding lines called Copper Birch, and I always say when someone gets a puppy from us, they become part of the Copper Birch family. And I mean, I can remember, um, families coming to me at the start, and uh, with their little kids coming in and choosing the, you know, um, picking the puppies with me, and now those kids have come back as adults themselves and their own families. It makes me feel old, but now getting their, it's like all, their having all your children out uh, around exactly, the world. Exactly, you know. So, uh, so it's wonderful to see them become part of that journey. You know. Yeah, um, and what about um, <clears throat> Brexit? Now you're hearing a lot. We're hearing a lot about um, issues with dogs being transported and things like that. Is that is that something that you're aware of? Yeah. Well, obviously, <clears throat> um, the 
because of the protocol and stuff like that, yeah. you know, um, now, but it's now been sorted out, thank you. Oh, goodness. it has been sorted. Yeah, um, where um, they talked about before we, for us here in the, in the north of Ireland, we could go to England, we needed a pet passport. Um, and we needed our dogs rabies shots and all the rest of it virtually like as if we were going to France or somewhere like yeah. that but now that's all been put to one side thank goodness that's been sorted so it's not going to be an issue in the future so you can take the dogs anywhere well obviously you obviously. still need the, the documents but yeah it's much easier than the initial intention was yeah yeah so and how many dogs did you say you have here now six yeah six and your your kids now I was going to ask you about that because you were around 12 when you um got a you know you started your real interest in 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 training do either of your your boys um show the same passion for uh, my youngest son but he's at that age where he's undecided what he wants to do in the future i think he, he says i'm i'm plan b for him yeah <laughs> so that he's gonna come and work with his dad um my oldest son i was plan d <laughs> but obviously both my boys grew up with dogs so it was very much part of their life and and they love dogs um, but if I was to, you know, my youngest son definitely has a little gift uh, with them. And, uh, you know, you can see how animals calm around him and, how you know, because he just has that uh, energy, that, yeah. but, you know. Um, so who knows what the future might hold. But he's still young and he's a young man. He's a teenage boy and he wants to find his own way in the world. For me, it was a, a I was a pioneer. Uh, but obviously, you know, the kids want to do that too. So we don't know what the future holds for them. So do you? So have you brought your your um the way you you know react with dogs and the way you train your dogs? Did you do you bring that through to your in your family as well? Right? Like, Sometimes are you like this calm force in your household when no, you're no, when no, you're. Well, still, oh, they can talk. I'm still suppose. human. I, I I still am prone to mistakes and stuff like yeah. that. But, um, and they can answer back. They can, yeah, yeah, but yeah, but no, sometimes, but I, yeah, it's a, it's the same principle, yeah of, yeah, of managing, but yeah. I was just want. It was a quote I came across here when I was um, um looking at this from the Horse Whisperer. Obviously, you know the Horse Whisperer, and I'm sure everybody listening will know the the film, and um Robert Redford's character said, "The truth is, I help horses with with people problems." Exactly. So, <laughs> so you feel the same way. It's totally, not. It's yeah. not you helping people with dog problems. It's you helping the dogs with the people problems. Totally. And uh, uh, my saying is, that it's not. It's not what's on the lead is the problem. It's what's holding the lead has always been my <laughs> yeah. problem. Yeah. I mean, I can take a dog, and within fifteen minutes, I can have it walking on the leash, sitting, staying, doing whatever it has to do for the future. But it takes you weeks and weeks with the owner to teach them that. Yeah. So it is because it's the owner that needs a training because the owner has caused a problem. Okay. Yeah. What's next for you now? Anything in the pipeline? Who knows? Um, I know your 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 website and everything is very very really comprehensive and really good and you've got all these videos and you're doing all this stuff all over the world training, training trainers and um you know and you know the gun dogs and and everything. So you sound like you're really really busy. COVID, am, COVID yeah, hasn't effect, had didn't affect you that well much, it did, did it? because it affected uh, it wasn't even well, the, the travel, travel yeah. um, but now things is opening up and uh, obviously it's a wee bit more paperwork when you go to travel yeah. um, but um, I always say why make the sky your limit when you can reach for the stars so I'll keep uh, reaching for the stars my journey's not over I know what I want to you know uh, who was it Maya Angelou once said the, the American poet that yeah. if you're going to live a life 
live a life where you leave your mark on the world that can never be erased. So that's my mantra. I want to leave a mark that I have helped people and helped their dogs and made dog ownership easier, made life easier for dogs. So that's my goal in life that I'll have left my mark on the world. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well that's brilliant. And thanks very much for talking to me, Keith. And you're keeping the hat. I'm keeping the hat, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that chat and got some good tips from Keith. If you're thinking of getting a dog or even looking at your pet in a different light. Mom, can we get a dog? Oh God, here we go. Make sure you keep getting all of your news from Arma Eye and I hope you join us next time for our podcast. From the I don't know what to say. I'm just speechless. To the We see all sorts of life-changing moments at McKinney competitions. How would you react? Cars, houses, tech bundles and more. From just £2 a ticket. No purchase necessary. For competitions, rules and conditions, see McKinneyCompetitions.com.